We're still trying to figure out what exactly an upper percenter is. I think we know what a one-tenth of one percenter to one percenter. Um, they gather in Davos at the World Economic Forum, uh, but the upper percenter, we're not quite sure. I'm arguing that an upper percenter in Freehold, New Jersey, where our producer range is different than the upper percenter from um, from Pamplico, I, South I Carolina, where, I, where own, I come from. Create our own saying okay. The upper percenter mm-hmm. is something that may catch on, and then you'll hear it all over the place, and it actually started here. Good deal, good it. deal. Hey, this radio show has had very few significant moments. Well, we've been on the air for 10 years, <laughs> but we've it. had very few significant moments. But I looked online, and you looked a second ago, and we don't see where the Trafalgar poll has been released to the um, to the masses, to it. the peasants, to the mere mortals. But we have with us um, Robert Cahaley of Trafalgar. Robert, good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm just trying to decide whether I'm an upper percenter or not. I think it has to do with whether you eat barbecue or whether you make your own barbecue. Okay, there you, there you go. There, there's a good example. Or do you uh, is is it Jefferson's Ocean or is it Jim Beam? See, that's or the way I would based or, or, or mustard based or vinegar based. There, there you go. But Robert, um, are you doing us a friendly here by um, releasing some data on this uh, Republican primary seventh congressional um, district race? Exclusive. I mean, I'm kidding. Can we argue that we are? Um, first in the nation when it comes to Trafalgar polling on the Republican primary 7th Congressional District of South Carolina? Yes. Uh, what we're going to release uh, on your show, what we're going to tell you on your show is going to be tweeted out to the rest of the media uh, later on this morning. So the first time anybody will hear these numbers when it, they are hear them on your show. Okay. Well, Whoa. we do appreciate that. Thank you very much. Wow. And I'll send you some mustard-based and vinegar-based barbecue <laughs> and some bourbon of your choice so without further ado um what does trafalgar see as it relates to this race in our in our district well let me give one big caveat and that is a big caveat that what we are seeing around the country in some of these democrat uh we're seeing a lot of democrat participation in republican primaries uh we saw a tremendous amount in georgia uh that we see that a big effort in Wyoming. We've seen it in uh, Arkansas. Uh, And so this is a snapshot of the Republican electorate, notwithstanding what other Democrats might participate in the Republican primary. But that's worth noting because it's a very smart strategy on the Democrat parts, but they are doing this around the country with states with open primaries. Okay, good deal. Among among Republican uh, primary voters, uh, we have Russell Fry at 42.2, Tom Rice, 24.9, Barbara Arthur at 9.8, Ken Richardson at 9.6, uh, Garnet, uh, Garrett, excuse me, Garrett Barton, 2.9, Spencer Morris, 2.1, Mark McBride at 1.5 and undecided at 7.0. Okay. So the undecided is only 7%. That's significantly lower than I imagined or expected. Is that lower than you imagined? And what do you think uh, What do you think accounts for that low number of undecideds? Well, we always tend to have a lower number of undecideds than others because we don't like to take undecided for an answer. We give you a couple times to make sure you're really undecided. Because people tend to say undecided when they know darn well who they're going to vote for. Um, and so we kind of nudge them along and say, all right, but if you had to say. <laughs> so 
we we don't expect there's a huge amount of undecided. Uh, th- this makes sense to us. This is not one that people are having a hard time to, uh, deciding which side of the fence they're on. It's just one that once they're on a side of the fence, they're either pro Tom Rice or they're anti Tom Rice. Then deciding among the other candidates is the only nuance left. Okay, interesting, Robert. I'm gonna I'm gonna say two things. I'm gonna get your response to these two things. It seems to me impossible for Tom Rice to win a Republican primary with Republican primary voters. And it seems to me that and then a runoff is inevitable between Russell Fry and Tom Rice. Are those two certainly something you agree with? Um, I'm stating those from my perspective. Well, let's let's consider that it is not outside of the realm of possibility that with what may happen in the next couple of weeks, Russell picks up another few points and undecided break toward the guy Trump endorsed. We saw that with J.D. Vance, uh, and, and we've seen that in some, other, in some of these other races where they, they break very much so. There is, there is an offside chance that Russell could win this without a runoff. It is more likely going to go to a runoff, and that is when I expect that you will see a significant effort from the Democrats to vote in that runoff. So the Democrats are more likely to vote in the runoff than they are in the in the January, excuse me, the June 14 primary. Yes, um, mainly because they have their own primary. Correct. Um, and, you know, a competitive primary is not something that was on the other side of these other states by comparison. Uh, and it is certainly uh, the math that you have to consider. I mean, you take, for example, uh, Wyoming, there's only like 10 percent people are Democrats and there's a distinct possibility they're going to they're going to vote at a higher percentage in the Republican primary than the Republicans are so it's a very small number the numbers in Georgia when it's all said and done could be 180,000 Democrats voted in Georgia uh, in the Republican primary Robert they, they, they wanted to punish Trump have you applied some of the math I mean in other words what sort of Democrat turnout it would take? in a runoff to get Rice over the top and get him reelected as a Republican. It's pretty odd that Democrats would decide the Republican nominee, but here we are. And I would imagine if you voted impeach Trump, you probably do have to depend on some of the Democrats. So, so first question, can a Democrat who votes in the June 14 Democrat primary come back and vote in a two-week-later Republican runoff? It is not legal. It will more than likely happen. Wow. Not enforced. Has not historically been enforced. Maybe it'd be good year to enforce it. Don't know. So what it's sort of important? Okay, what sort of important <laughs> mechanisms? What needs to happen for that illegality to be enforced? Somebody would have to keep track of it all, and, and somebody would have to object to people who uh, vote in the second election. Uh, but you know, it, it, there. I mean, I'm not the one to speak to what the penalties are. Uh, what that would involve, but uh, you know there is there. There's no question you're not allowed to vote in one one primary and then the other primaries run off. Now, if you vote in neither primaries first election, then you can vote in either party's runoff, and you, you can obviously vote in the one that you voted the runoff for the party you voted the first time. Uh, but it's not a strange thing in South Carolina to see this. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, and it's just, it's a major effort. It, it, 
listen, it's good strategy on behalf of the Democrats. They're picking their Republican nominees. We just watched them do it in Georgia, and uh, it, it, it certainly is, is something they're working working very hard to do in other states too. I mean, it, it, you know, Arkansas is playing, they were playing very much in those runoffs and I mean, they're overtly doing this. I mean, they're organizing and making it clear where they stand because in some of these places, they just find it, it they'd rather have the Republican nominees. They won't. Interesting. Um, I want to go back to Atlanta because I, I I discerned in you a, a level of frustration. Some of the tweets you sent out, some of the comments you made, um, you knew there were going to be Democrats vote in that gubernatorial uh, primary. You just didn't think 180,000 were going to vote. Is that a fair accounting or assessment? It is. We actually was a little bit of debate within our team. Uh, they had only voted, the Democrats only voted 30,000 in the first in the early voting, and early voting was almost 50% of the vote. So most of the models said 60,000. And so we were banking on 60,000 because that's what the models were telling us. There was, a, there was a huge effort to do it. And as it you know, it worked out for us in the sense that uh, the Democrats mistakenly believe that Herschel Walker is their most votable candidate. They're wrong about that, but they've seen some of the stuff that he's had to deal with in his past with his mental issues, all of which he put in his own book about himself. So it's not anything hidden. Um, so it didn't really affect what we're doing in the Senate race. Uh, it just affected the governor. And, you know, it was a scenario where uh, we had some things happen at the last with uh Trump, there was some news articles about Trump was pulling out of Georgia, and a lot of the people on uh, Purdue side kind of gave up. They thought thought the, the Trump pullback was real. It wasn't completely real. And so, and the Democrats were emboldened, and yeah, it was, it was a big surprise, and, and it was wild to see that uh, most of y'all who followed this stuff, especially the ones online, to see um, Matt Towery and um, uh, Barris uh, who is the people's pundit runs a big data poll. All three of us had roughly the same numbers. And this Democrat turnout just made it from like a 12 to 13 point win to a, you know, 40 something point win. And uh, it was kind of a surprise. I mean, we all thought that Kemp was going to win without a runoff. It was just a matter of it was wider than anyone thought it would be. Uh, any of any of us thought it would be. And, uh, you know, we've have the best record for getting that stuff right. So, uh, we stand on what we did in Alabama. We had the best poll in both Alabama Senate and Alabama Governor, and in the uh, the Senate race in, in um, Georgia. But that Democrat turnout definitely skewed the uh, governor's race for us. How complicit are the establishment Republicans in organizing or helping orchestrate Democrat turnout in Republican primaries? Because it's isolated to the Trump candidates. Is that a fair account? But I mean, it looks to me like the Democrat turnout is geared toward making sure Trump's candidates don't get elected. How complicit is the Republican establishment in, in organizing this? Well, first of all, it's not always isolated at the Trump candidates. Sometimes it's isolated at, they want two things. If they can punish a Trump candidate by beating him, yes, they want to do that. But if they can promote a Republican they think they're more likely to beat, they also want that. So it, it's a mix of trying to pick the Republicans they think they can beat and the, and the Republicans who, who will kind of uh, punish Trump. And I would tell you that my experience in Georgia is that 
I would not say the Republicans were complicit. I would say that Stacey Abrams is probably smarter than most of the Republican operatives that in Georgia put together, and she figured out what she wanted to do. And this is this is how she was going to have the Republican ticket that she wanted, uh, which would leave a great deal of Republican animosity within the party, because if Trump candidates all win everything and then the party comes back together, they have a much harder time in the fall. If the Trump people are still kind of fighting amongst themselves and mad at the, some of the nominees, then you have Republican turmoil. And that's exactly what they got. So I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame the Republican establishment so much there. Uh, in Wyoming, I would blame some of the Republican establishment. And in South Carolina, the jury's still out on whose fault it will be. Robert, is this the first meeting or the first contest that includes a Trump-endorsed candidate and someone who voted to impeach Donald Trump? trying to think i think it might be by my accounting it is but you know this world much better than i i mean i i know we had the um the west virginia consolidated race but but the 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 two incumbents in a consolidated district one was endorsed by trump but the other voted for the formulating of the january 6th committee didn't vote for the impeachment i think this is the first uh we've seen of a trump endorsed candidate and a and a trump excuse me someone who voted to impeach a republican who voted to impeach donald trump Right. I, I, I think so. I think it's more. Yeah, I think the other one was kind of like the situation with Mace that they voted for the committee, but they didn't. But they either weren't there or did not vote for impeachment. Uh, last question. I'll let you get out of here. Once again, appreciate your time. Robert Cahaley Trafalgar is on the phone with us. Um, you nailed J.D. Vance. In fact, J.D. Vance gave you a shout out in Ohio. Um, you nailed Dr. Oz or looks to be you nailed. I mean, maybe not. Uh, we don't know yet, but it looks to me like I'd rather go into a recount with more votes than not. Um, Arizona. And the reason I'm interested in Arizona, Robert, is um, the Peter Thiel effect. I mean, the, you know, the, the funding of the super PACs. He funded J.D. Vance in Ohio with an America First agenda. Blake Masters in Arizona is kind of a Thiel acolyte. How influential is Peter Thiel in this America First movement? And what chances do Blake Masters have in Arizona? I mean... Peter Thiel's very, very uh, influential, but there are other factors at play. Uh, Ohio, who wins? You know, you're going to hear all this nonsense about it's going to be a real contest in the fall. I don't buy it. Ohio is not a purple state anymore. It's red. On the other hand, Arizona is purple. And so this notion that you're going to get somebody who is going to be that the best candidate is necessarily Masters. That that's there's a lot of Republicans who debate that because uh, again, this person has to beat um, a guy who beat a Republican to get there. I mean, when you when you look at the way that that went down last time, uh, there was actually overlap vote between Kelly and Trump uh, about three points uh, when when he beat McSally. So. You've got Arizona's a different kind of place. You know, it's Barry Goldwater. It's John McCain. It's, um, uh, you know, you, you've even got what, what's going on with, with the other senator, Cinema, who's, who's one of those kind of a maverick that uh, doesn't always do what a party wants. So I would tell you the, you know, to kind of quote Sarah Palin being paraphrased by, Saturday Night Live, the, the more mavericky one is probably the one <laughs> that I think stands the best chance. And so whether that's going to be, whether that will be seen as, 
uh, Masters is not clear. And I think in that one, in the end, with uh, President Trump making his endorsement in the governor's race and she started to walk away with it, I think you got three guys at the top. I think the last time we looked at it, that Lamont guy was in first. Uh, and then the Attorney General Brnovich was uh, second, and and uh, Masters was third. So, but they were all within like two or three points of each other. We're gonna we're back in the field there later this week, so we'll know more. But I think if if Trump puts his finger on that thing, wherever he goes, that person's gonna win. But what Trump Trump has proven, um, and I think he proved this very well in uh, Ohio as well as. Pennsylvania is he's thinking about general elections. He doesn't want to ever have somebody come back and say, well, you picked somebody who couldn't win the general. His argument with Vance and his argument with Oz was, these are the guys who win the general. So I think his Trump's pattern, I can't ever say what Trump will do because I'm not in his head. He makes decisions that I don't understand, but he, but he also, you know, he, he has a gut instinct that is pretty good. <laughs> compared to most politicians. So he'll decide what he decides, but his pattern would suggest that he'll go with the candidate who's most likely to win the general. And I'm not sure in that case that's necessarily uh, the Teal candidate. Robert, last question. Is the Trump factor still the most powerful force in Republican politics today? Oh, no question. I mean, when he gets – I mean, there are always going to be – there are always going to be problem races. There are going to be people who – you know, didn't really have a chance or, or, or you know, they got it, they made him endorsement too early, things like that happened. No, but when you look at it uh, up and down the ticket, I mean, you know, even you take Georgia, I mean, he had lieutenant governor uh, and U.S. Senate, and two of the candidates he endorsed uh, made their runoffs for Congress. You know, you look and and the uh, Arkansas, he had a clean sweep of governor and Senate, and even a guy that he backed off of for the U.S. Senate did make the runoff in Alabama. So it's just, yeah, there, you know, there's there's going to be a few David Perdue's of the world. Um, nice guy, just didn't really catch on. And you know, we talked earlier about that that death knell is China. They hit David early, hard, very hard on China. And man, when that when they tie you to China, it's just hard to win an election. Well explained. Robert, thank you for your time, my man, and thank you for that um exclusive. that exclusive um, polling report. We really appreciate it. Um and the um the vinegar based barbecue and the mustard based <laughs> barbecue and the Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon will make its way to your um humble domain here sooner than later. Yeah, just hold the vinegar. Send me double on the, on the mustard. <laughs> double, <laughs> double on the mustard and Jefferson's Ocean on the way. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> Yes, sir. Thank you. There, there you go. Robert Gahaley, uh, what I argue is the preeminent pollster in all of Republican politics with Trafalgar. Um, and you heard it first here on Wake Up Carolina. Fry 42.2, Rice 24.9, um, Undecided 7.0, Arthur 9.8, McBride 1.5, Richardson 9.6, Barton 2.9, Morris 2.1. Take a break. Back in a minute. 